Welcome everybody to Too Legit to Crit, a tabletop role-playing podcast hosted by two guys who would fail a charisma check when talking to themselves. Yes, yeah, that's true. I, I fail that charisma check all the time. I <laughs> fucking hate myself. <laughs> the, the amount of times that I'm talking to myself and then I'm just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Shut up. <laughs> yeah, that happens to me as well. But then, then I'll go from that to actually what I said was really funny. So it'll be accompanied by a... No, no, see, I then try and explain myself to myself. <laughs> I'm crazy. <laughs> well, I am John Santana. Yeah, I'm still Justin, who's apparently just realised he's actually crazy. So yeah, that's, that's something that you all just witnessed. Um, yeah. I'm glad we could reach that realization together. That was the whole point of this podcast, wasn't it? You just wanted to lead me to the, you're crazy, by the way, realization. Well, to be honest, but now there's documented proof that I am not a voice inside your head. Are you, though? Or is everyone just like, is this whole podcast is just me talking and then like silence when you're talking and then me talking, but everyone else is just playing along with it? Or is it you talking? And then me talking again in a different voice (laughs) in, in my voice. (laughs) Oh God. Oh, see, I don't like this. (laughs) Let's move on. But now what I'm going to start doing is making sure I only speak when you're not speaking on the other side. So then you kind of have to accept that possibility. I don't like this. (laughs) Why? Uh, right. Anyway, moving on. Tables of role playing games. <laughs> so, how have you how have you been? Have you been up to much this week? Uh, not really. I've I've um been working a lot, and then I had a poorly small, so looking after that. Um, and then more working. So yeah, lots of fun. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, I what, only what that- you? you you played some games, didn't you? I played some games. I did some gaming. Ah. I did some gamming. Um, On Saturday, I did a Pathfinder Society scenario, Mm -hmm. which was called The Grim Symphony. Really Mm -hmm. sort of classic horror. Um, Like your classic staples of horror, especially one sort of direction in particular, which is like the mad scientist sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But there was a bit of Phantom of the Opera in there because it had like a musical theme. Okay. It's the only time I've ever ran a table in a room that was a giant theremin. <laughs> and just seeing the players trying to get that. Like, so you're in this room and there's a low hum. As you move through it, the I'm pitch changes. <laughs> so the bard goes, do you think I could play a tune? I went, yeah, you know, give me a performance. Rolled pretty well. So yeah, you are able to move around the room, creating oh, what God. resembles a a song, and they were. It was like they had no fucking clue. <laughs> that, that was that was a load of fun. Um, but then even better, um, I had ep- uh, session one. I was gonna say episode one. I had session one of my Kingmaker campaign, and that was just phenomenal. That was. A bit of a return to form because it's not as restrictive as Pathfinder Society. Mm-hmm. 
So the I didn't have a time frame that we needed to finish by. And nice. I didn't have to be as draconic with the rules. We could just kind of sit back and just relax and enjoy the game. Mm. Which I do in my my home campaigns, but they're always online. Yeah. So you do have to have an element of of sort of people managing. Yeah. Whereas in person, like we've discussed previously, you've got the visual cues for when people are talking. And it was just a really relaxing afternoon. So that is is what I've been up to. Nice. It sounds like fun. I'm it jealous. Was. It was a lot of fun. Um, still some spaces left for Kingmaker. If you are in the area and you want to play one of the classic Pathfinder adventure paths, then, you know, follow us on Facebook. If there's a link for you to sign up. Mm-hmm. And... You know, come and join the table because it was go a roll ton some of dice. Fun. Yeah, it was it was a load of fun. Nice man. Well, I'm glad everyone enjoyed themselves. We did indeed. Did any players die? They did not. One of them got spanked. <laughs> like big time spanked. <laughs> I feel like that's almost like a criteria for your campaigns at this point. <laughs> I think. I think my campaigns are easy going until they're not. Oh, absolutely. Like, yours, yours are the kind of campaign where everyone would be like, oh, this is really fun. Oh, 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 God. <laughs> so it was just like, you know, the guy ran in and attacked a giant, and the giant just went bang. No. <laughs> and then he went bang again, and that was a natural 20. Oh. And he was just like, yeah, so I'm at dying too. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, walked in and the giant went, bad adventurer. <laughs> it was a really cool, it was a really cool encounter though, because they walk in and the, the giant's already been in fights. So it's oh, like, pretty cool. And essentially the book doesn't say this, but it's just, it gives off the impression that the giant sort of watches the heroes come in, stands up completely fucking sick of it. And just kind of grunts and like puts his fists up to fight. And it was like, yeah, that was very evocative. That's, <laughs> I can work with that. Yeah, man. But yeah, so it was a really good thing. It was a, it was a good session. We had a good laugh. Always good fun. Always good. So t- like what, what kind of party dynamic was there? Cause that's always a fun conversation. Well, right now there's only, there was only two of them. There was okay. only two. That's why we've got them. Um, Space is available, but I, I can run for two people. Yeah, of course you can. And one of them is Amagus. Okay. But he's Amagus who is, um, he was aspiring to be what's called an Aldori sword lord. So very sort of martially inclined. The other one is a rogue who right is up my also, <laughs> also aspiring to be an Aldori sword lord. Okay. All right. So the, when they were both at the table, it's like, okay, so yeah, my character studied in whatever school of Aldori swordmanship. And the other mm. one kind of went, yeah, so did I. And it Same was <laughs> They are polar opposite classic, uh, classes. Yeah. Or should I say polar opposite, uh, polar opposite characters. Mm. One of them is lawful good. One of them is righteous. The other one is a rogue. <laughs> 
I just love that like thing of, and the other one is not. And <laughs> um, and because they both have similar backstories, it's like, did did you two go to school together? And we kind of spent the first half hour just oh, delving. That would be funny. Delving into the backstory of kind of like, going, like, right. One was the little giddy two shoes at school and the other one was the class clown type one thing. Of them, one of them <laughs> got expelled. <laughs> I love it. So rather than asking the one who got expelled what why he got expelled, I asked the other one, I said, what rumours did you hear? Yeah. What were the rumours that were going around school? And basically it was like oh, a Ferris Bueller sort of thing. <laughs> Bueller? Yeah. And, <laughs> and it was just an absolutely amazing dynamic oh, that's awesome that the three of us just kind of created in the moment yeah that's it cool. wasn't planned and it was okay so now you encounter each other and you've not seen each other since school <laughs> how what does that look like and it was yeah it was really really good although like what you've just kind of said there has given me a fun idea for a character okay talk to me a lawful good rogue so when he sees other people pickpocketing, he steals from them and puts it back in the other person's pocket. I think you could probably swing that with like a Robin Hood-esque. Yeah, see, like the issue with Robin Hood though, right, is he's like, he is literally just stealing from someone to give to someone else. But this is like giving somebody the, their own stuff back, right? Yeah. So you know, like how um, in some, some places like train stations and stuff like that, they'll have signs like, oh, watch out for pickpockets. So like this 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 character kind of like goes to those sorts of places and watches for the pickpockets and when he sees them do it he pickpockets them and then puts it back in the like victim's okay. pocket like just just to be fun okay that's that's fair but, enough and like Although, replaces their the coins that you stole with a little note from like uh 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 <laughs> yeah I mean that could work it'd be a hard thing to keep up though for it would be fun for an entire campaign it would be fun. You know, like reverse rogue. To be honest, if I were to, because I've never played a rogue, never <laughs> ever played a rogue, but every time I think of playing a rogue, the I cannot escape the Robin Hood men in tights. Yes. Sort of thing. I think that would be fucking oh, phenomenal. God, that would be hilarious. Do you, I, do you know what I want to do now? Just for funsies. What's that? An actual, um, like, men in tights campaign. Like, Pre-gen characters for all of the main characters, right? So you have, like, the rogue for Robin Hood. You build out a Chew <laughs> and all of the other characters from the films. Um, and, like, the, his, his manservant, the blind guy, I can't remember Blink. his name. Blinkin. Blinkin, that was it. Of course, of course it was. Um, <laughs> just build out all of those characters. It's actually run the campaign. I think it would be oh. hilarious. Or even, like, just have them as NPCs, right? And, like, the party are just in... The band of merry men. <laughs> when it when blinking falls out the tree, and goes, I can see him runs into a tree. And goes nope, false alarm. <laughs> oh, my, my my favorite in that film was uh, isn't always will be the bit where she goes. I just need to pump myself up, and then like bends over and just like pumps <laughs> the like his trainers. I think I was like right, I'm ready. <laughs> so about like when little John and Robin had a fight in. And, yeah. the st- and the sticks keep breaking and they end up with like two little batons and they're just twatting each other's fingers <laughs> oh we, we could do a whole podcast based we on could. that we could we could it was such a good film 
Yeah, I need all, to- like all, all of all of his films were good though. Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, like the whole like parody subgenre used mm. to be so good until I dare say date movie, and then they just went downhill. Yeah, yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Yeah. They, I'm I'm going to be watching a load of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but yeah, I think that would be a lot of fun, though. Oh yeah, definitely. I, th- I think maybe the idea though of the party being just part of the Merry Men rather than the main characters would be better because the spotlight then would always kind of be on whichever player has the the Robin character sheet. Yeah, I mean that's normally my problem with like licensed yeah. properties. It's like yeah, you're just gonna try build something from the property. Yeah. You know, how many people will have played the Alien RPG and, okay, I'm going to be Ripley. (laughs) You know, but speaking of licensed properties. Oh, nicely done. Nicely done. Thank you. Thank you very much. I have been practicing. Yeah. My spare time, just looking in the mirror and just. (laughs) Speaking of this. (laughs) Speaking of, and just coming up with segues. Um, So Palladium have announced that a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Kickstarter. Yeah. I don't know whether it's live or it's going live, but we shall Uh, figure it out. October 31st goes live. And it's kind of funny because not long ago we were talking about cartoons and and this just kind of seems like it's falling into our our lap. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, This is one that I'm absolutely going to be looking at when the Kickstarter launches at the end of the month. Um, I was, I say was, I still am a massive Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan. Um, I spent many years dressed as Michelangelo, much to my mother's dismay. Um, I had a, until late into <laughs> late into your twenties. Oh no, this was last week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you picked um, up, you picked up your daughter and said, "Cowabunga, cowabunga, dudette." <laughs> Um, yeah, no, like I, I was, I was huge into TMNT when I was a kid. Um, like my, and, and all credit goes out to my mother for this one. Uh, cause this was back before like, you know, DVD box sets were a thing or even VHS box sets were a thing. Let's be honest. She manually recorded every single episode onto VHS tapes for me. That's, par- um, so that's that parenting done right. Yeah, ma'am. Yeah. But yeah, it's weird. Michelangelo, though. I mean, yeah, dude. dude it was, I, rock, I, it was I grew always up about surfing. It was always rough for me. It was yeah, always but that's because that's because he hates people like you. I know. He's my kindred spirit. Yeah. Whereas Mikey's mine. He loves pizza and he likes skateboarding and surfing. He calls everybody dude. Like, how is that not me? <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, knowing me as long as you have now, if you had to assign a ninja turtle to me tell me it wouldn't be mikey i don't i do think you've got elements of don well yeah because i'm a massive nerd but that goes without saying got elements <laughs> of donatello in there see i mean i, I would have given you raf no questions asked <laughs> like he's just straight up like you hate people he hates people there you go <laughs> he's a massive dick <laughs> oh but yeah no i'm i'm definitely gonna be looking forward to that because um yeah, huge fan of of the franchise as a whole. The films back when I was a youngster were amazing. I oh, haven't seen the latest one yet, but I really want to see it. I've heard good that things. That first movie still holds up. Uh, what, the one with Vanilla Ice? 
No, that's the second one. <laughs> I know, but I just wanted to mention the fact that they had vanilla ice in the film. Well, go ninja, go, go ninja, ninja, go ninja, go. <laughs> I love that song. Oh, that so one good. doesn't hold up as much, but the first Lies. one still holds up. <laughs> they they both hold up. I I would watch them both today. I still I, do watch them both today. I think I think the the turtles franchise, especially like I'm not going to count the third one because that was dog shit. What, but the third, the fir- the, exactly there was the <laughs> the. It suffered from the same sort of thing that the Batman franchise suffered from, where they kind of brought the first one out, it was really popular, mm. and then I think it was New Line for for the Turtles movie went, oh, no, that's way too dark. We need to appeal to a wider audience. Yeah. So if you watch the second one, you realise that they barely use their weapons. Yeah. Just because, you know, they need to appeal to kids, whereas the first one was the, it, the, relatively the is, dark. Like- yeah, but the the appealing to kids thing, like they use their weapons all the time in the series. I know, but it was one of these things where, ah, oh, this is what kids it, are gonna. Yeah, it it was somebody in the sh- like in the studio meeting room somewhere went, hey guys, what about if they didn't use their weapons? Yeah, it's like the same thing happened to Batman when they brought out Batman Returns. Yeah, and it was like, yes, this needs to be a lot more kid friendly. Yeah. And you can just see Tim Burton going, fucking what? <laughs> Sorry. You want, you want rocket-powered penguins? What? And, and and then later on down the line, we end up with George Clooney with nipples on a bat suit. Ah, good old Joel Schumacher. I do love, though, that even George Clooney is like, yeah, that was fucking terrible. <laughs> like... At least he has the uh, the decency to admit himself that it was fucking shocking. <laughs> was that that was the one with Arnie as Mister Freeze, wasn't it? Yes. Where everything he fucking said was a a, a freeze pun. Yes. It was that, just so that, that is my favorite shit. part of that film. <laughs> it was just incredibly fucking shit. Oh, it was it was. It, but the thing is, right? It's so bad that I kind of enjoy it. If you know what I mean, like it's it's almost like it's a if like the way I watch it to enjoy it is I watch it as a parody of Batman, and then it's fun. My favorite thing about those movies, and this is my favorite fucking scene, on account of how fucking ridiculous it is, <laughs> is I can't remember which one. I think it might be Batman and Robin, where Holy Russ's metal Batman. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. But before, but before. <laughs> It's when um, oh. when Robin is, before he becomes Robin, yeah. is hanging up his washing. <laughs> and he just starts fucking ninjuring the laundry. Yeah, man. Wait, that, is, is that not how you do your laundry? No. Oddly enough, well, no. Is that how it's meant to be done? I, I don't know. This is going to probably polarise a lot of people, but I don't do my own laundry, so... I think he's. I think he's like fucking just. At one point, he's like using a shirt as like a pair of fucking. Nunchucks. Yeah, they're like nunchucks. Yeah, he's like doing nunchucks <laughs> with it, and then he finishes by like kicking it onto the line and shit. Oh, that oh. is just that is just the best part of that fucking movie. It's I kind of I kind of want to try doing that now though. <laughs> you need to start doing your own washing first. Well, no, because I pay other people to do it. <laughs> oh, you one fucking percenter. <laughs> It's not that expensive. It's like 20 quid a week and they come and collect it. They do the washing and they drop it back to me. It's great. That sounds expensive to me. Eh, it's all right. 
But anyway, moving on. <laughs> Sorry, just 20 quid a week in one month. Do you know how many fucking game systems I can buy? I mean, I, I play 5e, so I could buy like one book. <laughs> yeah, and you just have to sell your own bond. It's true. You have to just have to sell your children to win at Wizards of the Coast. No, it's only if you want to publish stuff. I don't mm. want to publish. Fair enough. But speaking so, of. Speaking fifth of. Edition. <laughs> I was going to say, speaking of ninja laundry. <laughs> speaking of ninja, no, we already covered, covered the ninjas. <laughs> but speaking of fifth edition, um, yes. have you seen this level up um, advanced fifth edition starter box on Kickstarter? I have. I have seen it. I've not really looked into it because, you know, it I'm, says I'm, there's a five and an E in it. Well, that's it, the thing, and right? I struggle with that. There's, there's, there's part of it that I kind of like that they've done, but there's also parts of it that just piss me off. So the first sentence of their Kickstarter is um, <clears throat> that it takes your 5e core rulebooks and upgrades them. But then the very next paragraph is them saying that it's a standalone game. But they also say that you will need the 5e core rulebooks because their book is like a supplement to those books. So it's not fucking standalone. If you have to buy the game it's based on to use what they've got, it's not standalone. Like, just by definition, it's not. Yeah, I, yeah, I get how that's going to trigger you. <laughs> you, and your, you and your pedantic ways. But it's not even pedantic. That's just literally the meaning of the word standalone, is you could buy... If, if you could buy... Their books, and you didn't need anything else, it's standalone. But the yeah. fact that they literally say in here that you have to, you have, to have the 5e core rule books, it's not standalone. It's a supplement. No, yeah, I completely get it. It's like, for example, Tales of the Valiant, standalone. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Because you don't need anything else to play it. Uh, it's fully compatible with original 5e materials. Yep. Depth but not complication with an emphasis on choice. Race separated into heritage and culture. Yeah, so th this is this is what it says for the, the, the rule book. This rule book takes your existing 5e rules and levels them up, in air quotes, rather than a pile of replacement hardcover core rule books. This 66-page softcover book simply tells you what's new and introduces you to some of the new rules. So basically, it's, these are the new rules, but you still need all of the 5e rules. Great. What are they? Well, you need to go buy the 5e books, not standalone. Which they, we then kind of go back to the problem at hand where yeah. people will admit that 5e isn't great and they will still continue to want to fucking play it. I have rejoined a particular <laughs> Facebook group. Called I'm begging was it I'm begging begging you to play another RPG yeah which is basically a bunch of people like myself yeah. bitching about this whole fucking culture of oh let's let's use five e for this that and the other and yes it is very very fucking funny some people and, and I mean, are that's a bit the too thing, serious. Right? Like you you know that I am a big five e fan right it's my go to system of choice however. If I want to do something that isn't just a standard 5e thing, I will happily go and look for a system that does what I want, rather than trying to make 5e fit. 
because that's just not the way you should do it. And if the system doesn't exist, make one. <laughs> I mean, a lot, a lot of this, a lot of this is people actually posting sort of screenshots from like Twitter or whatever of people going, "Oh, I want to use Five E to play RoboCop or whatever," and just everyone kind of going, "Just use that, just, just, yeah, just." <laughs> and there was one that actually that I found very fucking offensive. <laughs> Did they want to play Pathfinder stuff in Five oh, E? <laughs> no, no, it was it was basically Cthulhu horror. Oh yeah, and it was like now on Kickstarter, you know, bring Lovecraftian horror to your five E campaign, and it was called something like King's Mouth, where they've just basically grabbed a fucking bunch of like Lovecraftian terms and and existential horror terms and smashed them together. It's like, is it In's Mouth? No, it's King's Mouth. Is it the King in Yellow? No, it's King's Mouth. It's like, oh, dude, just have a fucking day off. And I've just seen, scrolling through, I've just seen another one now. It's like, brand new 5e class, Element Bender. And right next to it, someone's just posted a picture of Avatar Legends. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Ah, God, I hate that system. As as a fan of 5e, I'm going to say this now. Guys, let go. Play other shit. Other shit is good. Try it. You might enjoy yourself. And this is this is coming this is coming from you who have ad, you've admittedly said that you up until recently haven't really played any other systems. Yeah, and that wasn't no, no. through um, any anything other than all of the people that I played with regularly also played Five E. So we'd never had. Um, I never really had the. I never had somebody saying, hey, I've got this new system. Do you want to try it out? You know, whereas now, and I think actually this podcast has kind of helped with that because we've had, you know, like Fabula Ultima that we played. We spoke about it on the podcast. Couch went, oh, that sounds awesome. Bought it, ran a game. Fucking awesome. We love it. We're going to play it more, right? Yeah. And I think this is, it's really helped me with that. Um, And hopefully it's helped some of you listeners out there uh, to find some new stuff as well. Fingers crossed for you. Um. Because, yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, the the people that I was playing with, either I was introducing them, so I'm going to introduce them to the system that I'm comfortable with because it makes the most sense to me because it's the easiest one to to teach them, right? Because I, I know it inside and out. Same as if you were introducing somebody to role-playing as a whole, you'll probably run them through Pathfinder first. Yeah, um, I'm not entirely sure I agree with that. Well, okay. Or it don't depends, agree. <laughs> depends, depends, on the, depends on the person. Yeah, true, true, true. You know, because um, I, 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 Pathfinder is a crunchy system, you mm-hmm. know, but, you know, I can introduce someone to anything. It's what we got introduced with. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's it, why we're here today. <laughs> you know, I mean, introducing a new player to a system is all down to the GM. The GM needs to be yeah. able to say, you tell me what you want to do. I'm going to translate I'll it figure into it out. mechanics. Yeah. And that's it doesn't matter what fucking system that dnd had this whole thing of kind of going oh it's easy for beginners it's not it's just um, as easy as any other system it's yeah, easier to it's easier to master because there isn't as many rules as there are in pathfinder first edition for example oh, God, yes yeah but to actually start to get someone who's never rolled a dice before and sit them at the table it isn't any easier than any other system at all. Um, I, w- I would disagree there. I would actually say that 
some even some of the systems that we've played, I would say are easier than than five E, and that's coming from me. So you know, um, things like um, I, I personally would say that the the fantasy age systems are easier for new people because it uses dice they're already familiar with, because um, it's a three D six system. So I, I personally would say that that's probably the easier way to introduce people because it still uses all of the same concepts of like ability checks and modifiers and all this sort of thing, but it's done with dice they're already familiar with. So they're not having to learn the dice as well. Because that's the one for me that I found that a lot of people when they first come into the hobby, especially with a, a D20 system, is trying to remember what dice they have to roll every time can be a sticking point for a lot of people. Yeah, but, that, but that's the thing. You're getting people to remember these things where it's just a case of, you know, it's like a kid when they learn to ride a bike, they've got stabilizers on. It's oh, the yeah, exact yeah, no, same absolutely. fucking thing. But so, no, that, that's all I'm, all I'm saying there is I, I think Fantasy Age, just because it removes that one element, but still keeps all of the other elements, I would argue that it's probably a little bit easier to pick up because there's one less element to learn, if that makes sense. Now, I'd, I'm I'm of the belief that no system is going to be easier than any other, especially if you're dealing with rule books that are at least 150 pages long. Yeah. You know, because everything has their, their own sort of idiosyncrasies. They've got mm. their own sort of little differences and little things that you have to remember. I think learning a system is all based on the person teaching you. Yeah. I do. I, I want to run you through a fantasy age um, game. Yeah, I, I think you'd it. actually really enjoy it. it. It's a really cool, the way they handle stuff is just really cool. Yeah. I'll play it. So, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, we got to add it to the list then. Um, I think, did we did already? You, I don't know. If no, you did I have. Oh uh, yeah, it is. Fantasy age second edition. Cause that was right, coming out. Cool. All right. It's already on the list. I, I need to get second edition. <laughs> so have you, have you finished your grievance against, Advanced fifth edition. Um, do you want to sure. take another couple of digs? Go on, go sure. On. Nah, I think I think that's it. It's just like for me, it's just it bugs me that they're trying to like set it apart as this like separate thing, but they're literally standing on the fi- on the shoulders of five E and saying we're not five E, but you need the five E books. <laughs> what? That that just bugs me. It's like no, just no. No, that's fair. Look, I, you don't need me to 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 help you bash five E. <laughs> We're not know, bashing five E. We're bashing something that's trying to bash five E and failing at it. Like, how bad have you got? It? Like, don't remember, okay, five E is very bashable as a system, especially after all the recent you know bullshit. How do you fuck up bashing it? That's what I don't understand. I don't know. It seems to me pretty easy to me. I don't know. It's the easiest thing in the world. Exactly. And they fucked it up. <laughs> so, speaking of 5e, what about this A Life Well Lived by Cubicle 7? Oh, yeah, that looks pretty good, actually. Um, so that, it, it's like a, a backgrounds book, right? So, oh, I mean, backgrounds is a little bit like a, a life story book for character creation, which I think is pretty cool. Because it's something that I struggle with a lot. Is like coming up with stuff that happened in my character's past life and things like that, right? Yeah. Um, but it, it also handles stuff like beyond. So like after you've retired the character, there's also mm. stuff for the, that as well, which is kind of cool. Um, so it could work for GMs to like come up with some some ideas to run past a character that 
you know, if a player wants to retire a character and you still want to, they've been in the campaign for a long time and you want to give them that send off story, it gives you a couple of maybe prompts and stuff that you could go through with the player and see if they would be happy with it and, and use them and stuff like that, which would be pretty cool. Yeah, I think it. I remember when when we first started playing Pathfinder. Mm. Um, one like a player that that like who'd been playing a lot longer than us. He brought in an actual book that essentially did this. Um, mm. and, and I think it was an old um, three point five book. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily Pathfinder, and that was a big fucking tome as well. Mm. And again, it'd be like, okay, so roll for this, roll for. Um, any events, roll for your childhood, roll for this, roll. And then Pathfinder sort of integrated it as well. And I always kind of used it as a launch pad. Yeah. So I'd kind of roll a few things and just kind of go, okay, I can write around this and, and kind of create something. But yeah, it's, it is actually good. And it is for Cubicle 7. They also did that Uncharted Journeys that we were mm-hmm. we were looking at. Yep. Which kind of you know makes the 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 travel between between adventures a bit more interesting. So I think well, I do like that Cubicle Seven are kind of leaning on the it, it also, other aspects of the game. It also seems to um, give a few things that something we spoke about recently as well. So you know, uh, in the new uh, playtest document, I mentioned about the Bastions. Okay, um, yeah. for for new D anD. d so there's similar sort of things in here for like a place to call home. So it's going to uh, have a complete system for creating a home base for you and your party, adding rooms, um, downtime activities, stuff like that, hiring allies. So they've basically built all that into this book as well. Um, things like uh, new campcraft activities. So stuff to do while you're resting by the campfire um, and a bunch of downtime activities, new contacts, allies and rivals, a bunch of NPCs and stuff like that as well. So it's going to be adding. I think it's going to be a really, really helpful tool for players and for DMs. Yeah, it definitely seems it. It seems to be quite useful. Um, I don't think it's anything that I'm going to be. I mean, because it's obviously five e. But even if it was for Pathfinder, I don't think it's anything that I'd bother getting. But I can see it. I can see the appeal. Basically, mm-hmm. it's pretty reasonably priced as well. About for about thirty quid, you get the um, the hardcover and PDF copy. Okay, that's fair enough. That's mm. not too bad. Yeah, not too bad at all. So I, I will probably take another look at that at some point in the very near future. Hmm. So speaking of um like value for money. <laughs> there we did see a couple of things um that are on in bundles. Yes. Um this week. One of them I'm I'm quite excited about and it is moistening my my wallet. I can't, can't imagine which one that is. No, you can't. Probably this 5e one. Yeah, um, definitely the 5e one. Absolutely yeah, 100%. One. Yep. But I'm just <laughs> waiting for this actual fucking page to load. Okay. It, it's, it's the Broken Mind 5e, right? That's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's that one, yeah. I thought so. <laughs> so it, they're calling it the Bike Club Bundle for Vets <laughs> and ER bills. Um. So apparently somebody I think quite known in the industry. Yep. He he and his dog were were attacked in a random mm-hmm. dog attack. Yep. And they're trying to kind of get some extra money towards the go uh, towards going towards like hospital and and vet builds. Yes. Uh, bills, sorry. And they have 
yeah, put together this bundle. Let's, you know, there's Arogo's Tomb 5e. Mm-hmm. Looks like an adventure. Bell Me, another adventure. Broken Mine. Dragon Hunt. Uh, Dragon Hunt. You got a free encounter collection. Yeah, a couple of those. A couple of those. Jesus Christ, more than a couple. Gee, yeah, lots of encounters. Lots of encounters. You got. <laughs> Yeah, like a whole fuck ton whole, of adventures. Whole adventure path here. Look, uh, R one road to well, uh, road to Rel. Jesus, I can't speak. Then you've got R two, the town of Rel. R three, R four, R five. So I'm Ooh, guessing those R7, all kind Check of out R seven. Follow on. Really yeah, fucking interesting. that looks good. Cirque du Necro. Yeah. Seventh adventure. Seventh adventure in the R series taking place after R six. House of Heroes can be rung as a standalone adventure. Even in this adventure, the PCs are under the big top. Will they free the circus from its curse or end up? There's just another bunch of clowns under the big top. Ooh, that sounds that sounds something I can fucking work with. Yeah, uh, levels five to ten. So the value of this is um, thirty two dollars eighty, and it's going on sale for eleven dollars fourteen. Mm-hmm. Definitely worth grabbing if you ever need more books in your library, guys. Yeah, even if it's five e, I don't think it's going to take a lot to convert. No, I mean, especially things like those free encounters, right? Um, yeah. I'm, that alone would be great to have just a bunch of encounters in your pocket. That, Yeah, that's the shit I won't be using because there's no point. But like the stories, the adventures, I could use yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So things like the whole R series. Hmm. So um, that is a pretty good, very good value. Very good value indeed. The other one that I saw that I'm just, again, loading. Ah, you'll also be pleased to know, just just while you're loading that, that mm-hmm. R1, the, the R series, um, mm-hmm. is all, it comes with everything you need for a VTT as well. So it comes with all the maps oh, and that's... everything like that as a separate zip file. Okay, this is definitely kind of... Yeah. So that's that's pretty good. <laughs> um, history, background, investigation guide, new monsters, five encounters, color maps, and NPC stats. So yeah, it would be very easy for you to convert. Yeah, that is that is pretty good. Mm. Mm. I'm intrigued to say the least. Yeah. Um, this is one that is, you know, I it's not the the reason behind it. It sucks, to be honest, but it is it is for a good cause. Um, but the veteran TTRPG blogger, developer, publisher, and writer Owen Casey Stevens um, was hospitalized for nearly a week with pulmonary embolism in February 2023. While still recovering from that ailment, he was diagnosed with cancer. She's been on chemo for months now, and it looks like he has months more chemo ahead of him. Though he has every intention of overcoming this challenge and producing game material for years to come, and despite having medical insurance, the medical bills have continued to pile up. The open RPG games industry has come together to create a mega bundle to help with all proceeds going to help Owen with those bills. So the multi-publisher mega bundle includes more than 350 separate products with a combined value of over $1,000. For Mutants and Masterminds, 5th edition, Pathfinder 1st, Pathfinder 2nd, Starjammer, Starfinder, and many others. Other than Everybody Games and Rogue Genius, over a dozen other popular and current publishers for multiple game systems, including Two Games, Little Feet, Battle Press, International, D20PFSRD, 
Publishing, Drop Dead Studios, Evil Robot Games, John Brazer Enterprises, Legendary Games, Legend Smiths, Names Games, Shamai Sheepdog, Wright Publishing, Savage Mojo, Storm Bunny Studios, and Wayward Rogues Publishing. This is a fucking good cause. I yeah. mean, I'm not even looking at what's on. I, I'm, what's I'm having it. a quick scroll through, and there's some really awesome stuff in here as well. Yeah, I mean, I'd be tempted just to get it because of the. Yeah, just just for the cause. Yeah, just for the cause. You know. So yeah, you know. Um, we wish Owen Casey Stevens a very speedy recovery. Mm. Got you know all the best and. To be fair, I will probably be investing in that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely a worthwhile cause. So, yeah. You know, that is a lot of fucking product. It is. All right. And the other one that we found that, yeah, this is, you know, interesting to me. Yeah. And to be honest <laughs> to you, because we have discussed one of these We have, games. we have, we have. Um, Vampire the Masquerade. Yes. Month of Darkness. Book bundle. So on Humble Bundle, there is a, a 24 item bundle which includes physical copies, but they're not available in our part of the world because shipping sucks. Yeah. However, for us, there is for 1467, you get 20 items, including Vampire the Masquerade and also Hunting Hunter the Reckoning, mm-hmm. which we've kind of gone. Yeah. yeah, I think that that is on our list, right? That is on our list. <laughs> so, I'm just kind of working out like 14 quid plus the $39 from the other one. All right, I can do that on payday. <laughs> yeah, no, that that does look good. I mean, we we have spoken about that a lot. Um, and yeah, I think it would be it would be a lot of fun to to get into the vampire world. Yeah, I th- it's one of these that uh, a lot of times I will knock because of the it's got a bit of a predatory nature to it. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like I I kind of really want to play it a tiny bit. Yeah, Not I mean, that. for the most part, a lot of what interests me is the the whole focus on the sort of clans, mm. you know, and the the sort of world that's been created more than. You know, I want to be a vampire and suck blood and all that crap. <laughs> um, it, it's more, it's more about the sort of world that's been created. The, the, so, the social elements of it as well, yeah. and like how it all interacts. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. I think one of the best comments I saw regarding Vampire: The Masquerade was, "If I want to pretend to be a sexual predator, I'll play FIFA." Oh wow! <laughs> it's wow. not wrong though. Well, it is because it's not called FIFA anymore. They lost the license. Uh, what, what? EA no longer have the license. Yeah, it's not called FIFA anymore. It's is called, that why there's an advert saying FC? Yeah, EAFC. Yeah, they they lost the license with FIFA, so it's not a really? licensed product anymore. Yeah, this year was the the first year where they they didn't have the FIFA license. They lost it. Fuck. Okay. Mm. That that see that explains. Yeah, because I've because I've been seeing the the advertisement for it and it was uh, I mean, FC twenty twenty five. Everyone still is. calls it FIFA. Yeah, it's always going to be called FIFA. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's it's no longer licensed. It's not a licensed product anymore. So do they have to do what Pro Evolution did and just have to yeah. come up with like Manchester fake names? Red, Manchester Blue, stuff like that? Yeah, that's amazing. That is that is the funniest thing ever. Yeah, even the player names because um, FIFA owns the rights to those as well. 
Like there was like in Pro Evo, it was like Robaldo and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So yeah, they're gonna have they they've had to start doing stuff like that, <laughs> which is hilarious. That's fantastic. It just makes <laughs> me laugh. But so yeah, uh, Vampire the Masquerade Humble mm. Bundle out now. It's got 19 days left on it, which does carry me over payday. A almost now the the real perfect. question, right? In, yes. in in the Hunter book. Mm. Is the primary way for the hunters to kill the vampires with like wooden stakes to the heart? I don't know. I have I haven't got the book yet. It's got to be though, right? Uh, that's that's uh, like vampire killing one hundred and one. Apparently, yeah. Wooden stakes to the heart. Right. I'm, now the I'm question gonna... the question yeah. is where do they get all that wood? I'll tell you where the hundred acre wood. Okay, I'm pissed off for two reasons. Because you didn't see that one come in and it was amazing. Because you made a big thing before we started recording. <laughs> no, I about didn't want to talk about this one. <laughs> not covering this fucking story. Yeah, like, no. I, yeah, I'm not fucking talking about this. I'm not talking about this. I'm not talking about this. I and saw now the, all of a sudden, No, I decided I wanted to talk you, about it for one reason and one reason alone. That segue? No. I mean, that was part of it, but no. <laughs> the stats they've given for poo. <laughs> Now, I mentioned this before we started recording, but I've been stewing this whole time. Yes, you, because you it's did. Bullshit. Yes, you did. And I, I, I'm even more pissed off because I came out with a brilliant fucking joke while we were discussing it that's not going to be able to be repeated. Well, recorded. that's a shame. But right, my issue with the. So these Justin stats are, said, Pooh gets stuck in everywhere. I, and I went, I did. <laughs> You get poo stuck everywhere. It was a brilliant fucking joke. It was. It was an off-the-cuff joke, and it was amazing, and the, you can't really... It was like lightning on the bottle. You can't, you can't capture re- it again. No. However, the issue I have, right, and, and that, that statement stands, Pooh Bear, as a character, literally 99% of every Winnie the Pooh episode is him getting stuck in something, and Piglet has to rescue him, right? That is the premise for like 99% of Winnie the Pooh. Pooh right. got his hand stuck in the tree, or he got stuck in the tree, or like all that shit, right? But yet they give him a wisdom and intelligence score of average or above, and a dexterity score of plus one. Fuck off. He's a moron. They get stuck in everything. I'm not having it. I just want to kind of point out the sort of deep seated hatred that you've got for Winnie the Pooh right now. Yeah. He's it's a like. Twat. Did can you show me where Winnie the Pooh touched you? I can on the conveniently on the dolls that they've got a photo of underneath on that Kickstarter. It's <laughs> just a doll of Eeyore with a shocked face. Poor Eeyore. <laughs> Eeyore, Eeyore is my boy. I love Eeyore, and they were so mean to him all the time. Tigger, Tigger was always my favorite. Tigger was awesome, but he had too much energy for me. <laughs> Tigger, he, was- t- Tigger, Tigger's the kind of person, right? From our nightclub working days, Tigger is the person that if we saw them walk in. We'd be like, oh, fuck this guy. Or we think you, he's on something. <laughs> yeah, do you know, because I was actually going to mention that, do you know how there's the whole thing of, like, every character in Winnie the Pooh is is based on a, a medical condition, is based on a, on a yes. sort of mental ailment. But there's yes. also the one that says that every character in Winnie the Pooh is based on the drug they take. Yes. And it's like, Tigger, fucking speed. Abs- or cocaine, either or. <laughs> um, like, yeah, is I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm down with that. I believe it, absolutely believe it. But yeah, I just, I just wanted to go through that because that, that's, that's some bullshit. He's got an <laughs> animal handling of plus three. Fuck off. 
I don't know. Do you think he handles Piglet? He must do. Is the only reason Piglet would stick around? Yeah, fair enough. An athletic score of plus five. <laughs> Dude, literally, as a, a sleight of hand score of plus one. No. <laughs> No, whoever wrote this has clearly never like seen the show or read any of the books or anything because no. (laughs) But do you think it might be main character syndrome? Oh, it absolutely is. They've kind of gone, okay, so the thing's named after Winnie the Pooh. It absolutely is, and that's what we have to make him above average. And no, no, and that's the also the only character sheet they've got. So I can't even see whether they've like. Done Piglet Dirty or anything. Was it on Backer Kit now? Yeah, uh, yeah it is. Yeah. When's it released? Uh, there's four days left. How much is it? Because I'm tempted just to buy it. Uh, the cheapest Backer they've got. Or, or, well, I mean, it's already hit. It's smashed its goal somehow. Um, fuming. It's a 10-page... The advent- oh, right, that's, that's the adventure, is a 10-page Yeah, the, the, the one-shot uh, adventure PDF is $4. Um, they've got them in space with spell, <laughs> spell chapter versions for $9. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, but it, it's, just, it's just a one-shot, basically, based, based in 5th ed. So you wouldn't play it anyway, because it's 5e. Piglet, D&D one-shot in the 108, $4. I'm actually tempted just to buy it, just to see the character sheets. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, you know what? I think we should. Because I need to see if they did Piglet Dirty. Piglet's, Piglet's awesome. And I reckon, <laughs> I reckon they've done your proper day. They're going to yeah, give them, like, would... negative seven on everything. I mean, yeah. It... But he, he's insanely good at everything. He's just not happy. <laughs> but yeah, that's no. But no. Right, I'm, 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 I'm having, I'm having a rant day today. I'm enjoying this side of you, Justin. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying it because that gives me the ability to, to just <laughs> add salt in the wounds. And I just don't understand how, if they've ever seen anything Winnie the Pooh related, they could give him those scores. The strength score, fine, I get it. Right, he's a bear. He's strong. I get it. But, like, for how regularly he gets stuck in shit and is clueless about things, how can you give him an average intelligence score, an average wisdom score, and a fucking positive (laughs) dexterity score? Just no. No. I just want to know how many, like, listeners of ours are massive Disney fans. And they are just. I'm a massive Disney fan. And they're just like never listening to us ever again. No, but that's the thing. You no, I am a massive Disney fan. I'm a massive Disney fan, and that's why I'm so pissed off because they fucked it up. <laughs> fuming, I'm fuming. Oh, I don't drink, hilarious. but I'm tempted to after this. <laughs> oh, I think this is funny as fuck. <sighs> Are you okay? No. No. <laughs> No, I'm fine. Let's let's move on. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I do kind of have to agree that they they even got like the basic sort of things kind of wrong. Mm. But you know what else is basic? Wow! Come on, that's <sighs> dumb, motherfucker. My Starbucks order. Boom. 
<laughs> it's you not because I, I don't white. order. I don't order from Starbucks because I don't drink coffee. <laughs> I do, but I still don't order from Starbucks. I like good coffee. Um, oh, <laughs> fucking! I had a proper old man moment on Saturday. Oh God. <laughs> I went to the, because at Wayland they've got the bar area and yeah. this, that and the other. I walked in, set myself up for, for GMing, and then went to get a coffee. Mm-hmm. And I went, yeah, um, you know what, give me a, give me a latte. And I, and I want, you know, what, what flavours have you got? And don't tell me that pumpkin spice bullshit. <laughs> and the guy just went, okay. <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> It was a proper, I'm an old man and I'm going to fucking flaunt it. Oh, my God. But, yeah, basic role-playing yes. uh, universal game engine um, is now in... I think it, it says now in print, but I've just gone to the website and says it's out of stock. So I think they they must have probably sold out. But this is one, I, this is one that came across on a Humble Bundle ages ago, and I didn't mm-hmm. bother getting it, and I regret that. Yeah. Because it is essentially the the engine that powers stuff like Call of Cthulhu, um, Streets of London, RuneQuest. Yeah. It does seem a very you thing to have. Yeah, and because I'm wanting a universal system, which I'm currently kind of earmarking Cypher because it is fucking Mm -hmm. awesome. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I'm now looking at this kind of going... Ah. Well, <laughs> well, now I've got decisions to make. <laughs> options, so, options. Just like you can, like, Delta Green is a crisp fucking system. Mm. And it is tangentially based on this. Yeah. But you can imagine using Delta Green in other scenarios. Oh, absolutely, you yeah, can, yeah. It is a very sort of, it does feel like a slice of life sort very of Very flexible, yeah. Yeah, so I'm, yeah. I think this may be a purchase at some point. Yeah, man. Well, sounds good. Maybe the next time I go to London, I'll pop into pop the Pop in and have a, have a little look, yeah. See if they've got it, because it, it, it does look really good. Mm. Oh, it does. Yeah, I've definitely got my eye on it. Oh, it's all done, determined by the role of a D100. Yeah, so essentially... Interesting. You, and it's not... They aren't flexible DCs either. Yeah. So you, like in Delta Green, you've got a skill. Yeah, yeah. And the skill is 60%. You roll your D100, you have to get lower than that. Yes. If you do, you succeed. If you don't, you fail. Fail. End of. So there's none of this, oh, um, this is the DC. The only thing that you can do as the keeper or the the GM or the handler, whatever you want to call it, is increase or decrease that target. Yeah. So plus 20 or minus 20. Yeah, because I mean, like that's the thing, right? If if like let's say you are you have a, a the the skill to pick a lock, but you, you're now looking at a lock that you've never seen before, you're not just going to be able to like that, right? It's yeah. So you would maybe knock ten off of the their skill in air quotes. I don't know why I'm putting in air quotes. That is what you're doing. Um, yeah. So then, if they have a sixty, they have to roll. It then becomes a fifty, right? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. No, and it is it is a cool system. I, God, it's making me want to run Delta Green. Let's do it. I'm down for some Delta Green. Yeah, let's do it. Let's let's set something up. Yeah, man. Uh, sometime next week, I think. I'm yeah. thinking I'm going to be free. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have a small human, but yeah. And we shall get others involved. We shall. 
we shall we shall put out the the fabula ultima bat signal. Yeah, uh, and, I, th- I think everybody needs to keep their eyes on their phone everywhere they are. Yeah, I'm keeping my eye on a lot of things. Are, are you keeping like, your eye of everywhere? Ev- everywhere, every yeah. single place I can. <laughs> that was a, that was a that was a bit of an alley oop. It was. It was. That was, uh, that was an assist. Yeah, it was good. So yeah, this is one that that I I kind of mm. saw. Yes, with my eye. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it is the I'm, eye. I'm sorry, of, everybody. I'm sorry. <laughs> the eye of everywhere, which is a gaming supplement for Pathfinder Second Edition and Five E. So the setting for both Pathfinder Second Edition and Fifth Edition lets you add some sci-fi spice to your games and explore worlds outside traditional fantasy. And it is created by Alan Tucker. And it does, Ooh. I don't know what to think. Well, to be I, honest. I'm just reading some of it. And th- there's two of the new ancestry slash species that they're introducing, um, which, because of the Spelljammer books, already exist in 5e, kind of. Um, so, eh. But one of them looks cool, which is the Hawk. Tiny creatures who must inhabit other bodies to survive. Okay. So it's a bit like the uh, like the Goa'uld from Stargate. Yeah, yeah, like that, that kind of thing. Work. Yeah, little snaky things. Or the the brain absorbers. Yeah. So that could be quite interesting to play as because, like, you, I don't even know how that would work, like mechanically, because essentially, the body that you're in isn't you, so. Would you be able to like hop from one body to another, or like once you bond with the body, is that like it? That's your body I for don't life know. now. It is, it is that, interesting. That, that would be quite interesting to me. But the world, um, the it's like the eye itself is a giant multiverse spanning portal. Hmm. It's surrounded by a thin disc, which on both sides supports a thriving city composed of an eclectic mix of architecture from hundreds of worlds, including countless cultures. So it does kind of sound like you can like bring in or touch on this with your kind of current campaigns. Mm. That's kind of when I first read about it, that's what I I first understood. Yeah. That this as it was kind of a, you know, like the eye sort of being a sort of metaverse. Yeah. As it were. Sort of kind of controlling like all your game universes. And I do like that they've also got a GM's guide and a player's guide as well. So you're not both looking from the same book. So there's no chance of um, that cross-pollination of, at least on the first playthrough, right? There's there's no uh, cross-pollination of knowledge of like, oh, well, I happen to know what this is um, because I read that page by mistake. Um, Stuff like that, which is pretty cool. Um, And also separate books for 5e and Pathfinder. So... If you play both systems, unfortunately, you're going to have to double buy um, or just, you know, get the calculator out <laughs> to do some converting. Um, but yeah, separate books. So I could buy a 5e one and you could buy a Pathfinder one and we wouldn't have to see the other one's system. Yeah, and there's some uh, some quite decent names attached to this as well. So Alan Tucker is the, number of, uh, is the author of a number of fantasy and science fiction novels. 
as well as numerous adventures and other supplements found on the DMs Guild, Pathfinder Infinite, and Drive Through RPG. Then you've got Sen HHS, is a Taiwanese um, tabletop role playing game freelancer and a Diana Jones emerging designer program winner. She is one of the cover authors of Pathfinder Rage of Elements, which is a fucking beautiful cover. Um, I'm not going to lie. All, all of the cover art that they've got on the Kickstarter is the finalized cover art, and it looks insane. It does. It looks really fucking good, to be fair. Um, yeah, what are, the, what are the pledges? What are the levels? Oh, that's pretty cool. So for, for $100, they'll make you an NPC in the system. Oh, fuck, really? <laughs> There's only 10 available. I don't know if that's all gone, but yeah. I'm sure it 20, is. It's $29 for the uh, PDFs yeah. of the player and the GM combo. 109 would get you the um, 5e and Pathfinder combo of hardcover and PDFs. Yeah, I think that's US only, though. Um, oh, no, shipping extra. They're coming from the US. I ain't paying that. Uh, it's Amazon shipping. Is it? Yeah. They've said that they're using Amazon, which is why they can't do uh, Switzerland, because Amazon's currently not shipping to Switzerland for some reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they'll be using Amazon to ship it. I'm not, so pay- it I'm not be- paying the fucking $100, though. Well, you don't. I'm going to split it with you. So pay half each. I get the 5e once you get the Pathfinder ones. Ah, you see, you're twisting my arm. <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> Do you know what, do you know what I, I feel like we need after all of this ranting and raving we've done this week? We need to chill out on the couch, don't I you? I think we need to go take a seat on the couch, man. Yeah. All right, let's go take a seat on the couch. Let's. Ugh. All right. Did you actually, you actually fucking pretended I, to sit No, on I, I was just stretching. I was je- actually I th- just stretching. I thought you were really getting into the bit. I thought you were just kind of, <laughs> I'm uh, flexing my role-playing uh, muscles, okay? I'm just going to move around on my chair so it's like sounds like creaking. Ugh. <laughs> Well, ah, there we go. Ah, get, get, all, cup, get all comfy. Cup, cup, of, cup of tea. Get my duvet. <laughs> <laughs> so I've actually received a couple of questions. Have you? I've only received the one. People don't love me as much this week. I, I win. You do. You do win. Woo-hoo. I am forever humbled. No, you're not. That's a lie. <laughs> oh, my fuck. <laughs> all right. So do you want to do you, me, you then? Yeah, let's do that. So uh, the first question I got uh, was from Sci-Fi, who is in the deep, dark woods of Belfares. Uh, That's a fucking scary place. It is terrifying. <laughs> Another homebrew question. What do you think are essential locations for a new campaign? Oof. <laughs> I'm assuming he's, he's talking about more generic locations. I, I, yeah, I would say so. It's stuff that like is absolutely essential in pretty much every campaign, right? So, you, like, just because I'm like, for example, I'm doing a pirate campaign, so an essential thing for me is the ship, but that's not going to be essential for every campaign. Hmm. Well, obviously, I think a starting city. Yeah, starting town, starting city, something like that. Um, and then that, that starting tavern that we start every adventure in. <laughs> There was actually just kind of skipping back to the to the sort of news mm-hmm. section. I don't know if I added it this week, but I did see something about somebody publishing a book of adventure starting locations, that- and it's something, and it's called something like "You do not meet in a tavern." <laughs> 
it was actually quite interesting. But anyway, back to the point at hand. Um, so yeah, I do think a starting location. Now, how much you spend on that location and what, how much you invest in creating that location, it, that's going to differ. If you're only there yeah. for, this is your quest and it's in the mountains, then there's no fucking point. Yeah. But if it's a case of, yeah, this is like a, there's a bit of political intrigue, there is, you know, you are building something within this city, then yeah, flesh it out as much yep. as possible. Mm-hmm. So that's one. Um, you obviously said about the ship in, in like a specific type of campaign. Yeah, I think like, I think the, the, the real thing that would be essential would be just anything that is necessary for the story. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, it's going to differ, obviously, because not all campaigns are the same. Because, um, like, there's, I mean, there, there's so many different ways that you can go with a campaign. Because you, you could do just an entirely political intrigue campaign. So the entire thing takes place in that one city. Yeah. It's possible. I, I personally probably wouldn't enjoy that campaign, but other people definitely would. Um, so, yeah. It's, I've, it's this is kind of giving me an idea. <laughs> this is actually, uh, yeah. So how about this? A campaign, mm-hmm. right? Where... Fade in. The main, the main, yeah, okay, fade in. Fade in. You and your companions mm-hmm. find yourselves in a room. Mm. It is entirely empty. There's no furniture. There's no windows. The floor, the ceiling, and the walls all look the same. The only thing there is, is a door. Mm-hmm. When you go through that door, you're in another realm. Yep. You're in a dungeon, for example. You're mm-hmm. on a pirate ship. And you are, you're only able to be in through that door for a certain amount of time before you get punted back to the room. Do, do you know what you've just described with an intermediary? What's that? The TV show Quantum Leap. <laughs> that, that's, quantum, that's Quantum Leap, but with a room in the middle. Because <laughs> he just jumps from body to body in time, doesn't he? He does, but yeah, well, I, I want to do the time travel elements of it. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. No, no, but it would be, it would be a similar sort of thing. But yeah, where, I, I, I quite like that. That'd be cool. I'd play that. So your main location from the entire campaign it's just a room. is a single room. Yeah, I like you that. Don't have to, and then you go through a door. And the thing is, you can... You don't have to stick it to one trope either. You don't have mm. to, to keep to one... It would be a good way to like test out a lot of one-shots as well, doing it that way, because you would essentially step out of that door into a one-shot. You ba- And you basically make your character... Like, for example, this basic role-playing thing. Mm. You basically make your character, right? Yeah. So you give them skills like aiming as opposed to firearms. Yeah. So that when you do kind of go into, oh, right, now you're in a cyberpunk city. Now you're in on a spaceship in, in the far regions of the galaxy. Yeah. You can effectively use your same characters. Yeah, just to translate the stuff across. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I'd be down to play that. Okay, I think I think I may have, <laughs> may have so um, far. I think you may have 
starting me <laughs> on the inv- path of a new campaign. Yeah, put a new campaign together. Um, I think for me, yeah, it would be the the starting location is obviously the most essential because you need somewhere to start. Um, I also like to plan out where the final confrontation is going to take place. So I would say you need the final location. Um, everything in the middle, though, you it's going to be down to the plot points. You're going to create locations for those those story beats and those plot points. Um, so I would say those are the only two really essential ones: is starting location and ending location. Yeah, I agree. Every, everything else is flexible. Yeah, I mean, if there is a a location that the party adopts, mm-hmm. that's different to the starting location. Yeah. Then obviously that that but is that, that wouldn't be, be for that that just just on that that wouldn't be for a new campaign because he specifically said for a new campaign. Fair play, but so I that mean, would be something that you develop whilst you're in the campaign. Oh, don't know. Yeah, you know, yeah. You, no, I disagree. I mean, because like for example, skulls and shackles, you never got that far, but you nope. start on the ship. Yep. But you do get to a point where it's oh, this is where we're staying now. This is our base. So oh, okay. that, I, I see so what when you so, yeah. so when you start the campaign, you you are you start in one start, location, yeah. and then part of the adventure is moving to a secondary location and then building from there. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I, I suppose like a base location would be, would yeah, be like, important. Like, yeah, like a home location, so, or, or like a, a bastion, if you will. <laughs> ah, uh, love it brilliant anyway I, I think i hope that answers your question sci-fi oh. all right so the question i got is from the man the myth the legend himself oh lovely couch what's he got for us today and couch has made it to the bathroom section but he's still lost in ikea <laughs> oh it's depressing because it's probably true i haven't seen him for a while <laughs> So his question is, you have spoken about worlds continue to turn in your games while characters are messing about, etc. Would you continue to run the world in the background of the game away from the party's antics and people involved in the story? For example, would other nations and big events still happen whilst the main bulk of your story is still going on? Yes. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Not necessarily something I would track. But maybe I would come up with a system of, like, randomizing it. Yeah, just every once in a while, like, uh, are those two nations still friends, yes or no? Flip a coin, roll a dice, whatever, right? Yeah, you roll the dice and, oh, no, there's there's a war broken out. A bit of tension now, yeah. Yeah, and you just kind of keep that. And if it comes to the forefront, it comes to the forefront. If it doesn't, then it doesn't. But it's something that you just kind of keep in mind. Yeah. But yeah, 100%. I think the world should revolve. The world the world should carry on regardless of player choice. Yeah, I mean and that's that's the thing, right? I think it's it's important to remember that whilst yes, we are playing a game, right? It's it's for having fun, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um like to add an element of realism to it, things just happen around us in the real world, right? Like whatever we're doing and, you know, we're like we're sitting here now recording this podcast, but you guys listening, whilst we were recording this, we're doing your own thing. Um, that was all happening. The world didn't freeze because we were doing something. Um, and I think that's important to remember. 
Yeah, and also bringing in elements of the world that have got nothing to do with the story as well. Yeah. Because not everything revolves around the players, or the player characters, should I say. So if they are in a city and all of a sudden an army attacks, Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily have to be anything related to the players. It could just be those two nations are at war. Yeah, I mean, we had something um, similar to that happen in a campaign that I was playing in once. Um, we were we got to this town, um, and while we were there, the, the they'd basically been at war with these bandits. It was like a little like farming village, um, and there was a gr- massive group of bandits that we had been offered a contract to go and deal with. We didn't because we thought the money wasn't good enough, um, and when we came back a couple of months later to the same town, um, we got there and and it just happened to be the day before the bandits attacked. Um, And obviously if we dealt with the bandits when we first went there, it wouldn't have been a thing that happened later because what had happened is while we were off doing our own thing, that friction between the town and the bandits had been continuing to grow and it led to, to that, that big attack. So yeah, it, it, it can also lead to really, really cool moments. Yeah, and then obviously you've got the the player choice of going, do we deal with this? Or do, do we just we, fuck off? <laughs> do we just carry on what we're meant to be doing? Or, or we do what the uh, what I like to call the, the Scots player solution of just closing the door and walking away. Yeah, because that is always it's an, an option. option. Yeah, it's always an option. So, yeah, 100%. Yep. The world keeps turning. And events happen, and some things are out of the player's control. Yeah. And, you know, and as well, it, it, it might seem like you're doing all the stuff and the players are never going to know about it, but it, it doesn't matter because it could become relevant. It and could. It's, it's better to have it semi kind of roughed out rather than having to go, oh, fuck, um, 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 because they happen to somehow get an audience with the king. Right, it, it happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, a lot of a lot of times when I like build a city or something, mm. I will, you know, you do a bit of history of the city, you do a yeah. bit of the history, um, bit of the city how it is nowadays. Yeah. But I also like to kind of go, where is the city heading? Mm-hmm. I, I also like to maybe throw in um, like some festivals through, like like with specific dates throughout the year, and if they happen to be in that town. Like if it's like a town that they're going to go to a lot, I'll do this. I won't do it for every town, obviously. Um, but if it's a town that's like uh, central to to the storyline, um, I will. I'll, I'll plan out like what their their holidays and stuff like that are. And if they happen to come back to town during one of those holiday periods, there's going to be a big parade and you know, feast and and all this sort of thing as well. Um, yeah, if I mean, if if you kind of create a a ever evolving world. Yeah. Again, it's not something you have to track, but if you just got an idea. Yeah. So let's say there is a country, there is a king, the king is a bit corrupt, blah, blah, blah. You set it up and just kind of go, right, sometime in the future, this king is getting deposed. Yep. And a civil war is going to break out. Mm-hmm. Now, if the players, for one reason or another, figure out something's amiss, etc., and end up deposing the king, then that changes. There is yeah. no longer going to be a civil war. But it is always good to kind of have an idea of where things are going. 
Yeah. Just if it's something that the players kind of ignore, if it's something that even if the, even if it's not a plot hook per se, and they kind of go, oh, you know, we want to pop back to this village and check in and just kind of go, well, you find the village burned down. <laughs> what, was what, there a, what, what village? <laughs> say, was there anything? Was there anything we could have done? No. You know, you, there was no way you knew. There was no way you yeah. had any clue. Wandering Taras came going through on. and flattened the village. You know, nothing, it's, nothing you could have done. It's a dangerous world. Yep. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think, I think that that. <laughs> I do believe so. Cool. So, I have a second question from uh, Mr. Sci Fi. Mr. Sci Fi. Who is at the hunting lodge in the deep dark woods. So he's he's made it through the deep dark woods and he's got to the hunting lodge. So okay. As a GM, how much leeway do you give players that are trying to roleplay a character that they are not like? For example, a charismatic, fast-talking, flattery, and silver-tongued rogue, if that's not who they are as, as a person. Uh, there was a couple of extra bits to this of, yes, I'm playing a rogue in the Kingmaker campaign, which is why I was asking about the, the party composition um so he's well aware that this is a loaded question <laughs> i give all the leeway that's needed it's true yeah absolutely does i cannot fault him for that i will sit back and i will help if i see that yeah. there is there is a struggle because at the end of the day it's role play you are yeah. playing a role you don't have to play yourself yeah and i, yeah. I think it's something that um a lot of newer GMs maybe struggle with is f- for me anyway, the, the one that I always used to really struggle with is if, if a player is, and I'm, I'm not trying to sound like a dick when I say this, but they might not be the most intelligent player at the table. Right. And they've played, they happen to be playing a character with really high intelligence roles, uh, like stats. I will, rather than just announcing things to the table, what I'll do is I'll give them the information individually that they figured out in character, right? Um, whether it's through like a, a message or a sheet, like a slip of paper or something like that, because then it, it lets them have that moment of, aha, I figured it out because they've, they've read it off the piece of paper, right? But in character, they figured it out um, because there are some people who are, you know, they're playing a very intelligent character but they just can't figure out the puzzle because they can't figure out the puzzle and that's the player getting in the way of what the character would feasibly be able to do for example um so i'll I'll maybe give them extra hints or something like that in in a private chat or something like that Um, i mean a lot a lot of this and a lot of this expectation on players hmm. does come from the 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 whole matt mercer effect Oh, absolutely. Yeah. When people have seen too much fucking critical role. Yeah. And they think that every table has to be like that. Look, these guys are professional trained actors. Yeah. They can inhabit any role that they want at the drop of a hat. Yeah. The people at my table are not. Yeah. So what I will do <laughs> is I will prompt and I will mm-hmm. say, you know, okay, what I want you to do is I want you to roll the dice. Okay, let's say, for example, diplomacy. Yeah. I want you to roll the dice. Then I want you to try and role play the result. Yeah. You know, if it's a good result, try more. But even if the response to that to that is, oh, well, 
I would be very charming. I would be very charismatic. Then I am there as a GM to fill in those blanks. Yeah. To kind of go, oh, yeah, I, and just make it cinematic and just make it kind of go, oh, so I imagine you do this and and that. And I think as well, to just, just to jump in there, um, that's the important part is what you just said there. I imagine this is what you would be doing is much better than what I've heard some GMs say. And it always grated me when they say it is, oh, so you do this. Like, no, that's not what I, that's not what I said. And like putting, putting words and actions in your character's mouth, I don't like, but saying, oh, okay, well, I'm imagining something like this and kind of asking for that confirmation is a much better way of handling that, which you do. And that's why I just wanted to highlight that. Um, Because yeah, I think it's, it's something that I've had people do to me where they'll tell me what my character's doing. And I'm like, no, 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 that's, no, what? No, fuck off. Um, and that, that really pisses me off just personally. Um, so I, I much prefer the way you do it, which is where you would say, oh, so I imagine it would be something like this. And you give me that opportunity to go, well, no, actually maybe more along the lines of this, um, and get that clarification between the two of us so that we're on the same page, um, is a much better way of handling that as well. I think you've got to remember that GMing and even playing these games as a whole, Mm. all right. Yes, there are dice rolls involved, and yes, there are mechanics, but the most important aspect of it is the conversation. Yeah. It's a conversation between the GM and the player. Mm-hmm. And with that conversation, you create something. Some players need less input. Yeah. Some players need need less sort of GM intervention, whereas other players need a bit more. And to kind of speak personally to to sci-fi sometimes players do not give themselves enough credit mm-hmm. players will turn around and say oh well you know my role playing isn't very good when at the same time as the person who sat on the opposite side of the table i'm sat there listening to what's been said <laughs> to me with a smile on my face kind of going yeah i'm, I'm buying this i like it mm. So I, I I think it is good to kind of have that query of what if, but at the same time, have a bit more faith in, in yourself, have a bit more faith in your abilities, because even narrating what a character says, yeah. as opposed to embodying a character, it's still roleplay. Absolutely. It's yeah. still just as valid, just as good, just as fun, mm. and can create just as good a story. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and I think as well, it, it's it's something that I've been realizing myself um, in, in in recent months is that, like like you just said, it's it's not all about doing the professional voice actor thing of becoming that character when you speak as that character. Um, th- there are many many other ways to achieve that immersion in in air quotes I'm, I, I can't really think of a better word no um, you're right immersion worked because you know it, it's if every other player at the table can get the idea of what you're trying to achieve then you've achieved it right um if you just like you said if you just describe what the character was doing oh well they they would they would do something along the lines of this or that and or the next thing. And and everybody at that table is sitting there going like and pictures their own image of what that looks like. 
you've you've done it right you've you've successfully role played that scene you haven't said word for word like a script and you know it's laid out with you know notes from the director and shit all over them you haven't done that but you don't have to do that to convey that message across to somebody and i think that's important for people to remember for me to kind of borrow your word um the better way to kind of create immersion in a character is it has nothing to do with what voice you do. No. It has nothing to do with how you speak. It has nothing to do what it's, it's the little character quirks. It's the quirks. It's mm. the personality. Yeah. And like a prime example is in the Fabula game, Edgar. <laughs> Love I Edgar. picked I picked a quirk. <laughs> yeah, you did. And it was great. I picked a and I just I but I didn't I think I put on a voice for about 30 minutes of the game and then went, I can't be fuck keeping this yeah, up. And none of us gave a shit that you weren't doing the voice anymore. But I was consistent with his personality quirk. Yeah. I was consistent with the whole, this needs to be signed for, this needs to be documented, this, you know, we and need to fill out an accident report. That's the thing as well that for me is what makes a character a character, right? It is those little, little quirks that people have because- if you if you take like where we live, right, Essex, the amount of people in Essex that sound the same, like if you were just to just hear them, they sound the fucking same. But what makes lit- them they sound literally the same. Literally they sound the same. Okay. Um but what makes them all different is those individual little quirks that they have once you get to know them. And that's the important part for actually having a character that's unique and and interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, definitely. It's so, my two cents. <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. And, you know, it was a good question. Mm. And I think that, I think the takeaway I want to kind of underline is have a bit more faith in your, your own abilities. Absolutely. Well, I do believe that's about all we've got time for today. I think so. But, you know, I want to say a massive thank you to both Sci Fi and Couch. Mm hmm for sending in some wonderful questions. Great questions as always, guys. I want to say thank you to you for spending some time with me tonight, Justin. Oh, shucks. Thank you for listening to me rant about stuff for an hour and a bit. Talking about <laughs> poo. <laughs> Ranting about poo, let's Ranting be honest. Ranting about poo. Um, do you oh, want to tell people... I think we've got an episode title. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, my God. Do you want to tell people where they can find you? Not, not particularly after today. Um, <laughs> but no, you guys can find me um, online at Just An Accurate TV. Um, I tend to go live over on Twitch playing video games and stuff as well. And of course, on our Facebook group. As for me, you can find me at Natural Juan on Mastodon. Um, like Justin said, we have a Facebook group. We also have a presence on Twitter, on Threads, on Blue Sky. Yep. I'm, you know, He's going I'm ham on trying- the socials. I'm going ham on the socials. I haven't done X yet. If anyone's going to create an an X account for Too Legit to Create, I'm going to leave it up to Justin. I cannot be fucked with that platform. I I haven't used it since long before Elon Musk even spoke about buying it. Threads Threads is where I'm I'm enjoying the most, to be honest. (laughs) Threads, I, we have, well, I say we, it's me that's doing it, but I have created a a like a community not a created that's the wrong word i have found or i have you know discovered a a whole community of tabletop role-playing game creators and podcasters and 
you know, my feed is fucking glorious on there. <laughs> to the point where I'm actually thinking about just taking the name, the podcast name off it and just having it as my personal space because it's <laughs> fucking great. But I won't do that. It'll still be on there as too legit to crit. Um, also, if you like what you hear, and I know I get repetitive with this, but we need likes, we need interaction, we need people to give us ratings on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify Podcasts, because that is going to help the algorithm and help us grow so we can reach more people and build this community that, that we are loving so much. And lastly, I just want to say thank you to every single person that's taking time out of their busy days to listen to two absolute idiots waffle on about tabletop role-playing games. Thank you very much. Good night.